0: This is episode 3-4 of Free as In Freedom for Tuesday, November 20th, 2012. I'm Karen Sandler,
1: and I'm Bradley Kuhn.
0: This is Free as in Freedom.
1: So uh, we've had a hiatus. Well, we well we could do that thing from uh, that Jimmy Fallon skit on Saturday Live. I
0: don't know. And what that we're is.
1: back.
0: Oh, I actually do know what that is. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that, everybody.
1: Well, the, there was uh, I was at Open World Forum and then at uh, Google Summer of Code Mentor Summit and then
0: and I there I was had, a had a baby that I was trying to. <laughs> schedule around. Well, there was a
1: hurricane. But then the, the second,
0: yeah, then there was the hurricane, which was um, made it very, very difficult. And to I was record. in a place without
1: electricity for three days. Yep. And so. I was
0: taking care of um, a lot of coordination around damage to loved ones, or due to my loved one's house, so <laughs> <then> <laughs> due I, to the hurricane. But then I,
1: and then I had to go to LinuxCon Europe, because I'd already scheduled that before the hurricane. Right. But they moved my my flight on both ends, because then there was another storm. Yep. And there was no flights in the JFK. The
0: so-called nor'easter.
1: Yeah, well, the, the, there was a, a, there's only one flight a day on Delta from JFK to Barcelona each day, and the same plane goes back and forth. It never took off that night.
0: Listeners, you may not know this, but Bradley has become a flying aficionado. If you uh, ever need to know anything about uh, Delta's
1: frequent reward program <laughs> <laughs> or well, schedules to various cities. Well, you know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to do a status match on United. Right. Because then I can fly almost any flight. Because so, I always just buy the cheapest fare imaginable. And it just worked out for like a year and a half. All the cheapest fares were Delta.
0: But the status match lasts for a year. It doesn't last longer than the year. But here's my theory. You have to theory. maintain it.
1: Here's my theory: okay. is that instead of getting to the top tier status on Delta, I'll get on the second to top tier status on two airlines instead, because okay. that's more valuable.
0: You really fly enough to be on second to top status?
1: I'm second to top on Delta now.
0: Huh. I'm surprised.
1: Seventy-five thousand miles.
0: Seventy-five thousand a miles. year.
1: On both on both. And well anyway. But yeah, mm. this is this is not the Flyer Talk podcast.
0: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Normally I I'm the fly- one saying let's keep it to the top. I wonder if
1: Flyer Talk Forum has a podcast. It should.
0: I'm sure there are podcasts that talk about this kind of thing. Oh I need to listen Close. to those. Nice.
1: Well no, I do. I need to know What's this funny stuff.
0: is I know I know the in and outs of American airlines, but in the last Americans
1: year, I dope. America's useless now.
0: No, that's they don't,
1: right, ra- they don't have enough rights routes. They don't have. It just depends where alliance. you want where
0: you're flying.
1: They don't have. They don't have a very large alliance. They do. I mean, it's the not, One World Alliance not like is like Uniteds pretty, and Deltas. Well,
0: it's still pretty good. I mean, but the um, but the earning miles from their partners um, has really they've they've really diminished.
1: Oh man, and I'm that's del- the reason
0: why I don't have status for this. I mean, I do because I'm lifetime. But
1: yeah, well, you were already a million miles before you were thirty or something crazy like yes. that.
0: Yes, I was. That was crazy. I think I was. Yeah. Well.
1: So, have you ever flown those airlines in Brazil, the local airlines? I'm afraid. Oh, of yeah, those. of course. I'm kind of afraid because they really bad. I don't really remember actually what records. they were called,
0: but I I, I flew them a lot. There's yeah, three a of lot them. of my miles were from my my flights to Brazil.
1: But there's three of them, three local airlines in Brazil and they're all they have really horrible safety records. So, I'm okay. I'm gonna I'm afraid to go to, this I'm, is why I'm, I'm afraid to go you to off to because,
0: okay. as you pointed out, this is not a frequent flight. But fire. it was free
1: software related because they've invited me to Faisal next year, and I'm really afraid of their, I mean, I don't mean to insult the Brazilians, but the Brazilian airlines have really bad safety records. It's, a, it's just facts. And so I'm afraid to go to Brazil for this reason.
0: But that statistic is compared with other activities that you engage in is still
1: suitably risky. That's true. That's true. Well, I don't really drive that much, so there's not that. But compared to other airlines. But you do drive airlines,
0: sometimes.
1: But compared to and airlines. And do you think
0: that every time that you get into a car? Absolutely. Right? I think you're I'm going to die about, every time I
1: get in a car, actually. But
0: you still do it?
1: Very rarely. But I do think I'm going to die every time I get in wow. a car. Wow. I mean, yeah, I mean, most people in the United States die from is auto accidents. Is the
0: statistic more than – Not most people, but – <laughs> Is the statistic for um, for a death from one of those um, airline crashes greater than uh, – is the risk – is it, is, it, is it 1 in 10,000?
1: Well, I, I don't know because it, cause it's really hard to get stu- – well, you would have to do statistics on how many – the statistics I found on airlines is all focused around – Number of flights, not miles. So you have to do it by miles travel or something. Time in the air, I think, is the best way to do it.
0: Okay, because all I'm saying is that one in ten thousand is statistic is a statistic for um, people getting hit by injured by um, buses in New York City.
1: But that's because people jaywalk. I don't jaywalk.
0: Well, I'm not sure that that's the case.
1: I'm a much I'm a much more careful street crosser than most people. Mm-hmm. Substantially more. Well. But, anyway, but speaking of safety.
0: Speaking of safety and our health. Yeah. Yeah. We wanted to um, I, I wanted to do a little update on the uh, medical devices thing because um not too long ago, I should figure out the date actually. Um so it was in October. Um but I'm a little behind everything because of um uh being I was going to say out on maternity leave but i'm not like out for my life on maternity leave <laughs> um but, uh, but you're going to be
1: a mother indefinitely now so that's you, true you'll have to be on maternity leave forever
0: Until not on maternity leave I, maybe maternity leave then becomes a leave from maternity in any event um which i'm not looking for <laughs> um but uh, uh there's this guy named Barnaby Jack who we referred to when we talked about the um, insulin pumps because he's the one who, um, who demonstrated that the, um, insulin pumps, um, could be maliciously hacked, um, and deliver fatal doses. So if, for those of you who, um, who haven't been listening to our show, I think most, most of our listeners know that, um, I have a heart condition and, um, the quick summary is that, um, I'm at a very high risk for suddenly dying. So, I have a um, pacemaker defibrillator implanted, and um, when I considered getting one, I did a lot of research as to the uh, safety of the software on these devices. And I learned that they're not um, the the FDA doesn't review the software um, on these devices, and you know none of the medical device companies would allow me to take a look at the at the code that that they wanted to implant into my body.
1: And for those of you that want a longer description than that, uh, we'll link to the episode where Karen gives her talk on this in the show notes. So you can go get Great. a longer summary than that if you, or longer explanation than that for, for this if you want.
0: So the software on these medical devices is a, is a, is a major interest of mine. And, um, uh, anyway, so the really latest thing is this guy, the same guy, Barnaby Jack has, uh, has reverse engineered a transmitter that can basically, um, make, uh, Make pacemakers within a thirty-foot uh, radius shock people fatally, <laughs> and also uh, rewrite their firmware. So basically, in um, I, I'm actually not sure which model he used, um, but um, although I should I should look it up. But there's there's no uh, security measures on these devices. They're constantly broadcasting wirelessly, and um, there's no encryption.
1: Well, but why I, I don't what I don't understand is why you're able to do a firmware upgrade in, in this way. I mean, I guess they do all their do everything over the air, so that that makes sense. But it's the same interface for data I O is this is for also for firmware upgrades, which is a little disturbing.
0: Yeah, I mean the whole the whole thing is pretty disturbing. I mean, you know, I, I, it's it's also just unnecessary. Um, so I after looking into this when I first was told I needed a defibrillator, um. I worked with a doctor who found me an older device that doesn't broadcast wirelessly. Instead, it, it it relies on magnetic coupling, and there's no reason not to use magnetic coupling. Like even if you say that the you know the security is um, you know even even if you say that implementing security measures requires too much power, which is what um, what the companies say that in order to implement. Um, the right kind of security measures and authentication. It's too much, too burdensome on these devices, which are meant to be lightweight and rely on keeping their power. Um, so even, even if you say that, there's no reason not to necessarily go with something like magnetic coupling. Now, it means that it's a little bit harder to do things like, um, you know, use home devices that con- consistently monitor you. Um, but for most people, that's not really necessary. Um, for me, for example, I, they, I only have my de- device interrogated is the term I use. I only have my device interrogated once every four to six months, and I've only had it um, had the changing set or something changed only like three or four times. And in that event, you need the close attention of a doctor and technician anyway. So, you know, having to have the they call the the um, device that um, the other part of the magnetic coupling device, the programmer. Um, having a programmer that you have to put right next to the device isn't isn't burdensome at all. So I, you know this is one of those instances where older technology to me is an improvement. But in any event, that doesn't necessarily you know that doesn't speak to the the fact that even if you know all the devices didn't have this wireless component to them, they still wouldn't be um, be safe in my view because the software is not um, auditable.
1: And given that we've just had an election, this is a very similar issue to the voting. Uh, device issue where, where the the public, in in this, in your case, it's a public health. And in the other case, it's the public's uh, business in some sense that there's no even uh, scrutiny done by the public on any of the source code for any of these kinds of devices.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I sort of try to underscore in my, uh, my talks about this is that, you know, this is my hard device is, is sort of like a cartoonish example of, Many ways in which we rely critically on our software so my device is literally hooked up to my heart but we rely on so many other pieces of software for so many you know society critical functions and voting machines is one the stock market is another you know all that software that runs our stock market and it's had obvious problems
1: um, well and there's I would be more concerned about things like uh, switching gear and other types of uh, public uh, transit-related devices, which I would presume the older equipment is probably mechanical and the newer equipment is probably software-controlled.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that's, that's sort of life-critical like that, um, but there's also a lot that's society-critical. And I like talking about medical devices because it makes it really easy for ordinary people to understand how a software bug, you know, could affect your life.
1: Yeah, I, I think the, the the one of the things I've been thinking about lately is the difficulty in programming, and part of that is it's related to this that that it's very difficult to to write software and know it's been tested and so forth. And and I think as an industry, software developers have gotten used to this idea to some extent. Uh, and it's re, it's related to it's it's only tangentially related to free software. But the thing is, is that it's it's difficult to get software correct, uh, and prove it proving it correct is actually very difficult, and that's been mathematically shown. So I, I think that the only solution we have is is scrutiny by lots of people, mm-hmm. which is kind of the traditional open source uh, as distinct from free software argument for why we should do this. But it's a valid argument here, in particular, because there's no scrutiny by other people.
0: I hate to go down this rat hole again, yeah. but in this particular instance, why are you saying that that's open source argument is distinct from the free software?
1: Oh, just because the open source argument is really focused on this issue of uh, I many eyes make bugs shallow kind of thing, which which is which is a major issue here. I, I that's but just I for the But I think the free
0: software world, I mean, you know, where study is one of the major, you know, yeah, the, the main freedoms. No. I just I Okay,
1: okay. Okay, okay cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I but I but I think that the the so, so has, has there been, and this is now a month ago because we we weren't around uh, to record a show about it. Has there been any reaction from from anyone? I mean, there were I heard I, heard, I think it made NPR and other types of mm-hmm. um, of mainstream press. but has there been I saw any that reaction not in the
0: same way that you would expect it to? And this is the thing that's floored me about this entire issue is that so many people don't know about it. And being in the hospital so recently as I was and having to deal with doctors, cardiologists, and electrophysiologists, I was, amazed at how none of those people had heard about this none of the electrophysiologists had heard about this i c- i couldn't believe it um actually not about this because this so hadn't not, come not out yet. New issue. this this issue hadn't come out yet but um, but but it basically the parts of the mainstream press that covered this have already covered some aspects of this um of the story hmm. so this was the same press outlets doing sort of similar levels of um of attention on it and the electrophysiologists, so the guys who are programming these devices, you know, setting them and um, recommending and, and implanting them, um, they weren't aware that these devices fail and they weren't aware that they were vulnerable. It was amazing.
1: Well, and some of that, I think, is, is the... Is- I think it's related to the uh, I, I actually I want to ask you this. Is this related to the way that drug companies tend to interact? and and because medical device companies and drug companies probably have a similar marketing strategies of, uh, basically, they get doctors to prescribe medication by giving the doctors lots of perks and all that sort of thing. Is there the same thing going on with the medical device companies? Do the medical device companies have certain influence over doctors as far as like trying to basically get them to choose their medical devices and therefore kind of manipulating them with, with gifts and other things that they do in the, in the, in the drug space?
0: It does function the same way, exactly the same way as it does in the drug space. And there was a, um, a lawsuit against Medtronic at some point. Um, around some of the bad behavior that we connect with the big pharma slush. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, and, and uh, you know, a lot of um, doctors basically get loyalties to certain companies. Mm-hmm. Um, I trust my doctor when he said that he prefers Medtronic devices because he gave me good reasons to do so. Um, and I, I trust mm-hmm. his, well,
1: yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm loyal to, to Delta, as we were just talking about loyal to Delta in a certain sense, because I have, well, sta- that's not statics, really comparable but, but, because but, it's, he's yeah, not,
0: yeah. he's not loyal because he, he gets some benefit. That's what we're worried yeah, about. Right. Exactly. Right. He's but, loyal because he finds that he believes that when Medtronic has a problem, they come forward faster and mm. contact doctors than the other than um, right, but the reason I was
1: making the analogy is a because we happen to talk about it in this episode, and b because I I don't know if getting a I, I mean, I'm not I don't think getting a benefit like I don't I don't p- I pick the cheapest flight uh, that's on a major airline regardless because conservancy's travel policy says I have to no matter what even if I have status. Um,
0: I think I wrote that policy. It yeah. does let well, you, you choose another. Um, yeah, no, you, you didn't made we that went. policy. No. Oh, wait, you didn't base it on the one that I wrote. I thought you I don't had because so. I, I thought I reviewed it. Okay.
1: You reviewed it, but yeah, I don't think. Um, yeah. I don't think it's the one, cause it, cause yours had the non-stop thing in it, which is not there.
0: Mine said that you could, um, you could upgrade, um, or you, you could, you could take a different flight, but you just have to pay the difference.
1: Yeah, I mean that's I think sure. I, yeah I think well yeah I think the reimburse it's just the reimburse amount is whatever within a hundred dollars of the lowest available fare. But the point is is that the safety records are basically the same and all those other sorts of things, right? So I I'm favoring Delta when it's the cheapest and the safety record, and I'm getting some benefit because it happens to be the case that Delta's there and I have a certain amount of loyalty. And I, I think that if you if like a doctor the, has a,
0: the perks of right, your membership of and that really but, does sway you, whereas I, I don't think that I think that. I truly believe that my doctor thinks that Medtronic makes better devices. Right, yeah, that's true. They're not entirely comparable, and the ways that the companies behave, you mm. know, the service plans are, are not yeah. necessarily sure comparable enough, either. Sure. I think the other medical device companies are probably fine in the end, you know, and they're all probably pretty comparable. None of them publish their source code. None. Of, I would have gotten a different company's device if one of them had let me review the source code,
1: mm. um,
0: but none of them would.
1: Yeah. Not well, Delta me. has not let me review the source code of their entertainment system, which is GPL. <laughs> yeah. Now, the qu- I, I I wonder every time I fly on Delta if if uh, if having Linux reboot in front of me is distribution, and uh, I think it's public performance, but not distribution. And if public performance meant anything for software, I don't think I've received distribution of Delta's entertainment system. But I've seen it you know, reboot many times. They
0: might revoke your status if you try to see them. <laughs>
1: Yeah, maybe. But I, I I don't know if I have a cause of action. Because Although I, there was, I'm not to make suspicion. this the,
0: the frequent flyer outcast of, uh, <laughs> as I'll see, there was a lawsuit about, a, I think it was American Airlines had like a lifetime uh, first class, like unlimited flying program. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and they started trying to revoke it. And the, um, the people who bought into it sued. It's really interesting.
1: So do you get any sort of benefits from Medtronics for picking their device?
0: Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> I get the, the benefit of having a uh, vulnerable device yeah. sewed into my body, um, and it's now running out of battery. And so I, I don't know what I'm going to do, to be honest. I'm, well, I'm they, have they haven't
1: run. solved that problem even in the newer devices, right? I mean, obviously, they all have batteries.
0: No, right, gone. but that's fine. But I got one of the last, you know, sterile devices that relied on magnetic coupling.
1: So... So will they try to replace your device with... One that's—it's not like rewiring. the battery is
0: swap. You know, you can just swap out the battery. You haven't got a new device. Oh, new, I
1: understand. Okay, so, so it's not like out. they can't—they can't open you up and just put a new battery. No,
0: and that's why some of these vulnerabilities are so insidious. Um, because even something that seems fairly innocuous, like um, the device is vulnerable, and therefore people can fiddle with it and put it into test mode or do things like that. It sounds like it's not that dangerous, but doing those, doing anything with the device can uh, even just, you know authenticating. I mean just anything with it will run down its battery. Um, and if it runs down if the battery runs down then you've you've got a useless piece of hunk well, of
1: Yeah, and d- and not only that, it's it's kind of like the medical device version of a denial of service, which is like a requirement of surgery attack. But because I, I could if I could hack into your device, I could wear down your battery and yep. force you to have to go get surgery.
0: Oh absolutely which and
1: surgery has risk. So basically it's mm-hmm. like it's like a denial of service. It's like a, a force of surgery attack That's that you can do on these devices.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, aside from the fact that I, for me, I don't rely on my device on a day-to-day basis. if oh, right, Somebody's relying on it, you to kill them. But my father, battery, for example, he relies on the pacing functionality of his pacemaker defibrillator. So if if a you know if somebody ran you know if if his battery ran down, which actually he recently got his replaced. So, um, so right. We, so it's
1: a true denial of service, uh, and in a medical device sense, it's it's, it's, then it's he, murder. Then he would really be in trouble. Point. Right. Because yeah. you could deny service of the pay, if you, if the, or if it the depends on the person. Like,
0: you know, some people, there's actually, um, some of these devices are actually vulnerable to cosmic rays. <laughs> and, well, of course they are, yeah. And because so, they're electronics. And so, um, there are some instances of people who have flown internationally and their, um, their pacemakers have defaulted to, fa- you know, basically to factory settings, um, which, uh, which, decreased their or took away their pacing functionality um and they were i don't think anybody nobody died from it
1: well it's really disturbing it's not necessarily murder i mean i i I would like i would they, did, were you able to ask if they're using, I guess you can't even on the hardware side figure out, are they using ECC RAM for the RAM? In I the actually I think
0: you can find that out. There are some specs yeah. available on the hardware. Well,
1: that's an interesting question. I mean, the idea that they're susceptible to cosmic rays sort of indicates they might not have ECC RAM. I mean, I guess a CPU can be you know, susceptible to cosmic rays in a way that it executes a wrong instruction or something. But usually the cosmic ray issue um, for most computing is related to memory. Um, because memory is sort right. of the most dense thing and the most likely to be hit. And usually, if you're worried about the cosmic ray situation, which I think I just had on my laptop the other day. Um, the it's the ECC RAM is the way to solve that. Mm. So that the idea that these devices aren't using ECC RAM is just disturbing from yeah, an engineering I don't know. standpoint. Yeah, I mean,
0: I know that it's not a common thing to happen, but I know it has happened at least once or twice. Right.
1: Well, we don't have any. I should be clear. I don't have. I'm doing the ancient aliens thing. I'm like, could it be <laughs> that these medical devices don't use ECC RAM? We have no evidence that they do. Or and don't.
0: actually, my knowledge about what what information is available is a few years
1: old. Right. So, so. but it would be an interesting for someone to, to research on the hardware side. I mean, not. I mean, obviously, you're raising mostly the software. Side issue, but on the hardware side, are they are they designing these things in a way that's the best possible design for safety? And if they're not using ECC RAM, that's like an easy thing.
0: Yeah, I think that actually the hardware designs are much closer, much more closely scrutinized than the software. Right. right. Um, until now, I think that there have been enough failures that I think uh, mm-hmm. the FDA is starting to wake up to this issue, um, and so is the public. But the fact is that there, the fact remains that there are so many of these devices, mm-hmm. and there's, um, you know, it seems extremely unlikely that. Um, Requiring these companies to publish their source code is going to happen, which means that the review will fall entirely upon the FDA, which surely doesn't have resources to do it. It doesn't make any sense. Publish the source code, and then people, you know, like me and my father, would pour over it before it went into. I mean, I don't know that we would have the technical savvy, but you know, in, in aggregate, we would.
1: Yeah, it's certainly checking so. to see if it has ECC RAM is an easy check. Could
0: right, but check we could do that. Actual. Any, I mean, I, I think you might be able to do that anyway on the yeah. FDA's website. I, they I'm, have cur- some, yeah, I'm They have some know. packages available. Um, that talk about the devices and their hardware. I, I don't. I didn't scrutinize them too closely. I've
1: discovered that most normal humans, uh, like non-geeks, think that you're just making something up to make them go away. And when you tell them that their computer can crash because of cosmic rays, like most people don't believe you. They think you made it up.
0: Oh yeah. When the tech. When the um, the technician told me about this, um, and she's actually. Um, Incredibly knowledgeable and a published author on this stuff. I, I was, I sort of actually giggled. I like kind of guffawed, and then I looked it up, and I was like, oh.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, know, I learned about that in the late '90s. It started to become a problem in the late '90s when RAM densities got enough that um, actually somebody published a paper at USENIX one year where they did some mathematics and basically discovered that. Um, in a in a in a rack of of you know of, of servers that basically you would get one failure a year due to cosmic rays, um, because you also have to factor in the odds that it hits an area of it flips a bit that actually is being used at that moment, uh, and 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 that is not a, just a some dirty page or, or something that doesn't matter anymore, uh, or not dirty page some clean page or something that doesn't matter anymore, uh, um, but yeah I, I I hit Control P in Emacs uh, and it, it, it core dumped. Control P is just up one line, right? Right. Which I hit millions of times a day.
0: Are it's you like, sure it was a cosmic Gray situation?
1: It's either it's either cosmic rays or some other f- hardware failure, right? It's, it's clearly right. a hardware. That's problem.
0: the problem with the cosmic Gray so situation terrible. is that it's probably hard to verify that that's what's happening.
1: But the yeah. fact that I haven't had any other um, seg faults of uh, we, th- there's a moment when your hardware starts to fail where you you can get a lot of random seg faults. Um, the fact that I had one and I haven't had any others and 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 it, everything's been fine on the same laptop with the same components, that's an indication it might be Cosmic Gray. Because if it was actually hardware failure, it probably would be, I, I would have experienced in the last week more weird seg faults or something like that.
0: So at the same time, I just realized we got off topic again. Um, yeah, on the same topic again, I I, I don't think I mentioned um, Hugo Campos on the last any of the previous shows where we talked about the medical devices stuff. Who's that? So- So we, or no. Okay. So no. Um, uh, well, he is a guy who, um, who has my same heart condition and is an advocate for, um, on these, these devices and for openness. But, um, but he is advocating for access to the data on these devices because he makes the, like, sort of the other side of the coin argument that, um, you know, yes, the, you know, I'm saying sort of, I'm talking about software safety and saying that, um, you know, I would like to see the, the source code on these devices, and he's saying, well, these devices are collecting all this data about me, and I don't have access to it, um, and it's about my body, and it's about my life, and, you know, why won't these medical device, and I have no choice, and why won't these medical device companies release this information to me, and so it's been very interesting, and he's also started, you know, he's he's given talks, you know, in the same formats that I've given, and we, we recently became aware of each other because we're sort of advocating for similar things, and he also is, you know, a young person who has HCM and i had to get a, a defibrillator implanted so it's been really interesting to talk to him about it and um, so I wanted to sort of give him a plug too.
1: Yeah. That, that medical device or just medical data issue in general is problematic you're allowed to get your own medical records but sometimes very hard to get them mm-hmm. and that's true even with just your lab tests and so forth I, I've been worked very hard to collect my medical records and yeah, in me many too. places that they, they give you a hard time about giving you um, some copy of, of of medical imaging. Like I had a hard time getting, I broke my ankle a year and a half ago. I had a hard time getting every x-ray. I actually had to, to do a lot of work to get every x-ray to keep.
0: I find you have to do a lot of work, but it doesn't, I never, I've never met any re- resistance. It's always been like, oh, that's a pain. You really want that? Why? Mm-hmm. You know, and then I sort of say, oh, because, you know, first of all, how cool is it for me to have a DVD of my heart, you know, with all the different, you know, the imaging and whatever, blah, blah, blah. And they're sort of like, oh, okay, that's weird. Um, and then sometimes I sort of say, well, it's good to have because if in the future, things change, it would be useful to have a copy. And they say, oh, that sounds smart. But it takes a while, and then they only want to give you what they think is the minimum that they can give you to satisfy your request. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's more of a bureaucracy question than a, a, a real obfuscation.
1: Yeah, well, legally you're, obfuscation. Entitled. legally you're entitled to it. That's why they have to. But it is, it is really a, really an issue. And, uh, and, and, and places destroy medical records. I have a, a, a lost MRI from the 90s that I had done that I was recently discovered can no longer Yeah, get. in the
0: ordinary course they'll destroy records. And, yeah. you know, keeping things indefinitely doesn't really make a lot of sense.
1: But I think a lot of people think their medical data is kept indefinitely for them by, some, by somebody and that it can always be gotten.
0: Well, it is if you don't change doctors, generally. Generally, yeah, yeah, if I you don't change true. doctors, you know, and you have some, you know, you have your baseline exams, really look forward to being able to pick up some of this work again soon. Um, I think that it's, I I feel like we're reaching a point where, um, where folks are going to start getting really receptive. But what amazes me is that everything, is that these issues just keep getting more and more, um, prominent, and it's astounding that um, that it takes these kinds of cartoonish malicious hacks. And actually, they're not really malicious hacks, but um, demonstrations of vulnerability in order to get people to pay attention. And even still, we have we don't have change.
1: Well, I I, don't, I think that there won't be uh, until and the FDA is the only entity that could actually act. Right, there's the only. Agency of any kind that has authority to fix any of this, and until they are convinced by somebody like you as an advocate to act, they're not going to act.
0: Or if doctors, as a class, demand it—that's that's the other way. Probably
1: true. That's true. But again, the doctors' minds aren't going to be changed until an advocate like you convinces all of them, and in mass, it's hard to convince them of anything. I, I would think.
0: Yeah. Well, right. And to do that, you need to convince patients.
1: So, can you? <laughs> is there is there a way that you could get? Like, could you submit a? Actually, the way to do this, the way to get the doctors, would probably be to submit a journal article, like yeah. to a medical journal.
0: I actually have a few ideas about ways that I think I could get people to to listen. Doctors I actually listen. don't think that patients and doctors, because I think you need patients driving doctors to mm-hmm. to get up off their behinds.
1: Well, they have very to get off their encounter suited butts and do something.
0: <laughs> what is that?
1: It's a Babylon Five reference. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so they're there for the Babylon 5 people in the crowd. Um, <laughs> don't watch Babylon 5. It's not, Oh, okay. it's not worth it. I was wondering. Yeah, but I watched it and obviously that was a reference. But I think that doctors would change their minds if somebody in the medical world published a paper. Yeah,
0: and, I have a few different ideas, but I don't want to. Yeah.
1: I mean, and the Therac 25 thing got addressed yep. because some people died. So if somebody actually has to die from this, probably. I mean, that's, that's, I know that sounds so macabre and so. Well, like,
0: that's why this, 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 this sort of like demonstration that Barnaby Jack did is the, is the furthest you can go. Yeah. I mean, I'm, the, he got these devices to deliver fatal shocks. It's not like mm-hmm. he got them to give deliver ordinary shocks, which you can survive from, you move on from, they're annoying, they're distracting. But, but it's
1: not like, uh, I'm, I'm getting people, ranty, but people, it's not like that caused congressional hearings. It didn't do anything, right? I mean, it did basically nothing. I mean, we were a month out from that happening. Yeah, yeah. And it's done nothing. So the, well, but hang that, on a I basically second. believe somebody people has have,
0: People have died from insulin pump malfunctions that were due to software. And still.
1: Has that been proven to be from software? Yeah. Okay. So, but then. And that,
0: that's not new. That's not new. It's just that the basically resources are limited. This hasn't um, this hasn't really risen to the level of what people people really care about. And then,
1: and of course, Therac 25 was decades ago, and, and and people haven't even applied that lesson learned to this issue because it's basically the same lesson learned. It's software failure in, in a medical device. It's just an implanted medical device versus yep. versus equipment yep. in, a, in a lab.
0: But, right, equally threatening your life.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: the implanted devices are just like, I sort of say, I describe it as like cartoonishly so. I started doing that when the Sony Rootkit thing happened. Mm -hmm. It was sort of like, you know, how bad can these record label, you know, can these companies behave in order for people to stand up and notice? And that's, you know, these implanted devices are just such great examples because they're they're so far on the, you know, kinds of examples you can think of.
1: Yeah, but it's not, uh, I mean, I'm sorry to be so... But it's not changing minds, even though all this stuff is so no, because it's not
0: actually really getting into the mainstream press, it's getting into like fringe press. I think that's our show.
1: Okay, thank you, and we'll be back. We should be on schedule now.
0: Okay, we hope. Great. Free as in Freedom is produced by Dan Lynch of Pod Factory and can be found at podfactory.org. Thanks to Mike Tarantino for our theme music. This episode of Free and in Freedom is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 United States license. You can follow Free and in Freedom, Bradley, and Karen on Identica, and also read Bradley's and Karen's blogs. Links can be found on the Free and in Freedom website, faith.us. That's F-A-I-F us. Yes, people would need to die. More than one person would need to die.
1: Yeah.
0: Or one prominent person.
1: Yeah, like Dick Cheney or something like that, who has one of these things.
0: But he's got a different. I, I actually, he's got a different device. Okay. We've already, I already think, made this joke on here. He's got yeah. a, a device that
1: pumps. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, the, Dick Cheney sounds like the penguin from the original Batman movies.
0: <laughs> He does I'm sorry
1: <laughs> does Dick Cheney or does Dick Cheney not sound like the penguin from Dan, played by Danny Devito? He
0: kind of looks like him.
1: <laughs> I agree with that too, but but I mean I think he yeah I mean I think he sounds like the penguin.
0: any event, his device is rarer. Um,
1: and so. he also literally talks out of the side of his mouth. He literally.
0: does. He does. He, he
1: only opens half his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so now I have to find some recording of Dick Cheney to play. I, I don't know if I can do that. I can't commit to that. I think you should. It's a lot of work. I find some really good recordings. Are we recording still recording? Nice. We're still recording. We're still
0: recording, so. Hey everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our show. <laughs>